Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we are on episode 133, a behind-the-scenes look at the Lord's hand at work. I'm sorry for whatever lawn equipment that is in the background. I've tried to wait them out, and I thought I had accomplished that purpose, but oh well, when you record from a home studio, excuse me, you will have these things happen. I mean, I was listening to one of my favorite uh, home garden type of shows not too long ago, and they were talking about a behind-the-scenes look, and it was so fascinating that a professional show goes through all the challenges that they do when it comes to just attempting to get the sound right because a lot of the clips that they have are from outdoors and they will get everybody set up and all of a sudden here comes a plane overhead or you've got some other type of sound that's outside and I'm not outside but I live in South Louisiana and it was just about a month ago that we were hit by Hurricane Ida. And since that time, we have had multiple weeks of rain. Just rain, 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 rain. And all of a sudden, for about the last five days now, we have had sunshine. And I think that we just don't know what to do with it. Like we are spending so much time outside trying to clean up from the storm and trying to get our yards up to speed. Many of us in my neighborhood, we take that very seriously and we just haven't had opportunity to do that. So whenever we're home, such as the weekend and I'm recording on a Sunday afternoon, then people are going to be outside and in their yards and I'm smiling. I am. I, I've tried I waited it out and thought that it was going to be quiet, but I have to smile because I have sunshine pouring in my bedroom window. And just a few weeks ago, I didn't know if I was going to have a bedroom window because I was standing in my bathroom and just praying for God's will to be done in the midst of the storm. Isn't it amazing? Is it not amazing when you look back at life, whether it be the physical storms of life, the emotional storms of life, and you just reflect on God's hand. And the thing is, God does so much for us that we don't recognize. This side of heaven, we're not going to have any idea from the grand scheme of things, all the ways that God works in circumstances and in people to accomplish his purpose. And that's what our story is about this week. We're still making our way through the book of First Samuel. We've been talking about the interactions between David and King Saul and the fact that King Saul has put a bullseye on David. And we, last week we talked about just Saul 
And the fact that Saul was so out of touch with God, which I don't think he was ever truly in touch with him, but he surely wasn't at this time in his kingly reign because he's, he's not in any way trying to please the Lord. He's looking at David and seeing him, instead of him being an ally and a commander and somebody who was winning battles, which ended up looking really good on Saul, Saul looked at him as the enemy. And we're going to see that in our text today. And last week we talked about when we, when we are not focused on our relationship with God, if that is not our central focus, we have a tendency, a big time tendency, to not have healthy relationships with other human beings and even to use them to accomplish whatever purpose that we feel like we have set for ourselves. And last week, that's what we saw, because here we had Saul, so we were in 1 Samuel 19, and we just did verses 1 through 7, and we talked about the fact that Saul is so jealous of David. And as a result, he goes to Jonathan, who is his eldest son, and the heir apparent, and goes to Jonathan, who dearly loves David, because he's not threatened by David. He is a kindred spirit with him. And, and Saul goes to Jonathan and wants him to assassinate David. And Jonathan, just being the godly young man that he was, he tries to be the intermediary. And we talked about that there are times where we have the opportunity to be that go-between, to be that person who stands in the gap and helps another see from a different perspective. So we've seen Saul and the fact that he is not past using relationships, even with his own children, to try to kill David. Then we saw Jonathan as the intermediary who is trying as best he can to get his father to listen to reason. So in verse, let's see, let's just go back over this just to kind of set us in context. So Saul has come to, da uh, to Jonathan, wants him to kill David, and Jonathan's not having this. And in verse 4, it says, The next morning Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David. Jonathan said, He's never done anything to harm you, and he has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. I just wish that he had stuck with that sentiment, but it didn't happen for long. In verse 7, afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. It's short-lived, but... As we talked last week, we talked about just when there 
our relationships, we have opportunities either to stir the pot or to stand in the gap and be that blessed are the peacemakers. To be that person who looks to point out to others the commonalities that looks to build bridges instead of burning them. And then this week, we will cover quite a few more verses, but I want you, first, I want you to think about your own life, your current situations. What relationships are especially challenging to you? Are they family relationships? Are they romantic relationships? Are they friendships? Are they at, you know, work, play, whatever it may be? What are the relationships that are most challenging for you at the moment? What are the circumstances that have you tossing and turning at night? Just wondering what the future is going to hold. I am trusting that God is going to use this lesson. Now, this is a, a unique passage in Scripture, in my opinion. We're going to see a little section toward the end that it's one of those that they will never put it up on the big screen. Like, this is not going to be something that some Hollywood producer is going to want to put up. But I'd like to see it because it is fascinating. And when we get to those verses... I think you will you will see what I'm talking about. But throughout these verses, I want you to look for God's hand. I want you to see the characters. Unlikely, many of them are for sure the final one. Um, that all the different ways that God intervenes on behalf of David. For a year or so, a couple of years back, I probably quoted at least once a day, if not multiple times a day, Exodus 14, 14, that the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. You just stay still. Just, just, just trust that the Lord will fight on your behalf. Isaiah 45, 15 says, Truly, O God of Israel, our Savior, you work in mysterious ways. You and I could sit and dream, and we could come up with a bunch of ways that God could intervene on our behalf. But after you listen to this particular story today, you may, I hope you do, and I hope I do, just decide to hang it up and say, God is much more creative than I would ever be, and I'm just going to place this person, this relationship, this situation in his hands, and I'm going to leave it there. And I am going to trust that God's hand is at work. And it may not be in my timing, but it's going to be in his timing. And it's going to accomplish his great and mighty purpose. So, verse 8. War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. So that's all good on behalf of Saul. So remember, Jonathan had gone to his dad said, hey, dad, you know, think about all David has done. Think about all that you have reaped because of David's efforts. And Saul says, you know, David's good. And he's kind of like 
he's welcoming him back into the fold again. And so David comes out and just continues to do what he's been doing, and that's do a good job of leading his part of the troops and accomplishing great and mighty things, which work for the benefit of Saul. Verse 9, but one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, now I don't know why Saul was sitting at home, and I don't know why he had a spear in hand. Those interest me, especially the spear in hand. Like, I don't know if he should have been sitting at home, so we're going to talk about David in a few uh, probably months at this point, when we talk about Bathsheba and, and David. And David, as the commander of the Lord's army, he, Lord's army being Israel, not the heavenly armies, but David was home, but like he shouldn't have been home because it was when the kings went to war. We don't know if that's the case, that Saul was just sitting around when he should have been working. We don't know what it was. You know, idle hands or the devil's workshop, you may have heard. Don't know if that's what's happening, but why is the king sitting around with his spear in his hand? Like, that just doesn't compute to me. That may be something that nobody ever has asked, but I just think it's odd. Why would the king didn't need to be sitting around at home with his spear in his hand? But what we do know is the next phrase, which is really challenging, because we've talked about this before, is the fact that the next phrase, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. And we've seen that before in scripture where it's a tormenting spirit or it's an evil spirit from the Lord. And, and like we have a hard time of thinking that an evil spirit comes from the Lord. But you've got to realize that in order for any spirit to get to Saul, it comes through God's filter. That doesn't mean that God ordains evil. That just means it's passed through his filter. Let's look at the ESV just to look at it um, in a more literal translation. It says, Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. I just think that Saul was just ripe for an evil spirit to come upon him. You know, the thing is, anytime that you see there's an evil or a tormenting spirit from the Lord, it's not for somebody who's where they need to be with the Lord. It's not that kind of situation. It's not like Samuel, who's going to come up later in Scripture, Samuel being the prophet, Samuel who did right by God, and Samuel who really did a tremendous job of standing in the gap on behalf of the Israelites and, and standing for God. You don't hear of a tormenting spirit coming on Samuel because Samuel wasn't messing with tormenting spirits. Samuel wasn't messing with evil. Samuel wasn't sitting around twiddling his thumb, so to speak, and dwelling upon doing evil. But Saul was. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had a spear in hand. The tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. This is the first of these situations where we can see the Lord's hand at work. Like David is hard at work doing what he's supposed to do. He was supposed to play the harp, which made Saul feel better. 
Music has that way about it. And especially if it's at the hands of somebody who is working on behalf of the Lord. Saul hurled this spear at David. What do you think the chances of getting out of the way of a spear is coming at you when you are focused on something? Very little. So all we know is, but David dodged out of the way. I have to think that David may have gotten shoved out of the way by an angel or the spear got routed in a different direction. There are some ways of the Lord that we're not going to know about. Today, we get a behind-the-scenes look, and it is amazing to see what God was doing in and through the lives of human beings and in and through the Spirit working in others. But we don't see in this the hand of angels, but we know that God does use angels as well as protection, as those that provide messages, that those who provide guidance. Even though it doesn't say David had an angel right there beside him, I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that it's a good possibility that either the, the angel tapped him and had him move, or it, it reminds me, and I had forgotten this story, but when I was in college, I was blessed to have some interactions with a fella whose, I guess, fiance at the time lived in another country. And it was a country where being a follower of Christ was not, not appreciated. And there was a person, well, persons in this particular family who had multiple stories of God intervening on their behalf. For instance, this one time they were working in this environment and what Satan intended for evil with someone hurling a stone at them, they ducked at just the right time. And like, there's no way, no human way that they should have known to do that. Or the fact that they tried to shove the young lady and it was not effective because angels were guarding these people. So even though they had evil people and evil spirits, very possibly, that were at work to try to harm them, God's hand was all over the place. I wish I could remember the details of those stories. I had forgotten them after all these years. But it reminds me so much of the story with David. Because here he is sitting there, and chances are really good that there was some sort of angelic intervention in this situation. If there was not, it was God's impulse to him directly to duck. Because somehow, some way, he got out with his life. Now, I want to remind you that when we talked about the lesson of the fact that Saul, because he didn't have a strong relationship with God, he looked at others not for relationships that he could nourish, but people he could use. 
He did that with his son, Jonathan, but he also did that with his daughters. Remember, he said that his oldest daughter, that he was going to marry her off to David and try to kill him off that way. And when that didn't work, then he figured out that his other daughter, Michael, loved David. And instead of wanting what was best for her, he wanted her married to David. Well, he wanted to offer her in marriage so that David would be killed in the process of trying to obtain her because Saul gave an insane requirement for what he needed as a bride price, so to speak. So I'm just reminding you of that because Michael comes into this. Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him, if you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window and he fled and escaped. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed and covered it with blankets and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. So now let's look at the ESV just to kind of contrast here with verse 12. The ESV says she took an image or a household god all the same thing in the fact that we can see that inside of David's house there was a household God and I kind of doubt that that was the only one. It's not the main point of this but it is interesting that David who is such a God-fearing man and working on God's behalf was allowing his wife Michael the king's daughter to keep and hold on to a household idol. But going back to the main story, what do we see? Saul's out to get him. Saul sends his troops and wants to surround the house, and he's going to nail him when he comes out that morning. He doesn't want his daughter killed, at least, thankfully. But he's staking out the house. He's got his people, and he's going to kill David. And Michael intervenes. So another place that we see God's hand working is the fact that Michael works to save David's life. And she does one of those things that many of us have seen on TV shows over the years that a lot of times teenagers have tried where they've stuffed blankets underneath their covers or they've done pillows. They've done things to make it look as though they're in bed sleeping when they're not there. I do think it's interesting that it's um, goat's hair at the head. I don't know exactly what that says about what David's hair might have looked like, but there must be a reason for that. It says, when the troops came to arrest David, she told them he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. Did God tell Michael to lie and deceive? I, I, I'm not going to weigh in on that one direction or another in the fact that we saw Rahab do very similar when she was protecting the troops. <coughs> Excuse me. God is a God of truth. But does he allow, obviously, Michael in her efforts to save David's life, does he allow Michael's deception to hold up and save David's life? He does. But Saul sent the troops back to get David. He ordered, bring him to me in his bed so I can kill him. So you can see how Saul is escalating. 
Saul is continuing to get more, I'm trying to figure out, psychotic? I mean, to as a counselor, to be able to just sit and do a study on just the personality issues and mental issues of Saul would take a length of time. And I have a feeling probably somebody has done that. I mean, he's having the troops stake out his daughter in David's house. Then when David manages to escape, he was going to make sure that that doesn't happen again where she stuffs the bed and makes it look like he's there. So he just wants them to bring him the bed. He is so intent. He is so irate. It says, but when they came to carry David out, they discovered it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at its head. I mean, Saul is intent. Can you just imagine this scene? I mean, this is not the funniest scene in this set of scriptures, but this one's got to be comical where Saul sent his troops. They've come back and said, David's sleeping and he's sick. And Saul says, I want you to bring him to me on his bed. And then they bring him out. And here they have this household idol with the goat's hair laying there. And verse 17 says, Why have you betrayed me like this and let my enemy escape? Saul demanded of Michael. I had to, Michael replied. He threatened to kill me if I didn't help him, which was a lie. Thank you very much. Michael seems to have a habit of lying. And in this case, she lies to cause her father not to come down as hard on her because she protected David. Michael is not going to be up for wife or daughter of the year, but God used even her deception to watch out for David. We're never going to know this side of heaven, all the different ways that God and all the different people that God uses on our behalf to accomplish his purposes. The number of times that our lives have been saved, our jobs have been saved, our relationships have been saved by God intervening, by God using others. Verse 18, so David escaped and went to Raymond to see Samuel. We haven't heard from Samuel in quite some time. He told him that all that Saul had done to him. And it doesn't talk about this, but imagine Saul, imagine Samuel's heart. Remember, do you remember Samuel from back a few months ago where we were talking about Samuel and Samuel, how brokenhearted he was when the people demanded a king? And Samuel took it as a personal affront that they were disrespecting him and his leadership and God said no they're just they're they don't want me anymore as their king I still have a hard time saying that um and then Samuel did what he was supposed to do he anointed Saul and then Saul messed up and God told Samuel I'm done with Saul and it really hurt Samuel's heart and God told Samuel to go anoint the next king. And that king was David as a young boy, as in probably a teenager. Uh, and we haven't heard from Samuel since then, but we know how much Samuel mourned for Saul. 
even though it's not in the text, you've got to believe that when David comes to Samuel and tells him all that has happened and how Saul has tried to kill him and tried to get others to kill him, how it must have grieved Samuel's heart. Goes on to say, then Samuel took David with him to live in Naoth. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naoth in Ramah, he sent troops to capture him. And went, but when they arrived and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men and they also began to prophesy. So we are now in the section that I would love to see on the big screen. I think it would be a trip and a half. So, these men who have been sent to kill David. Why? Because Saul was on a rampage and was a jealous maniac. Not, they're not doing the Lord's work. They are out to take care of what Saul has told them to do. And the Spirit of God comes upon them and they begin to prophesy. Now, we don't know anything about them individually and whether they were followers of God, not followers of God. We don't know anything except that they were obedient to do what Saul had told them, no matter how nutty it might have been. Because they may or may not have understood the dynamics between Saul's relationship with David. They may have thought David did something wrong and they may have thought that they, you know, were in hot pursuit and it was something that was good. But all we do know is now so far we've had the intervention of some, either an angel or a or an urging of God that caused David to duck below the spear to get out of the way. And then we've had Michael intervene on David's behalf. So we've had very possible divine intervention of some sort, possibly angelic. We've had a human in intervention, and now we've got the Spirit of God coming upon the people who have come to take David and to kill him. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, and they too prophesied the same thing happened a third time. I get so tickled when I read this set of scriptures. First, have you ever thought to yourself, so-and-so is so far beyond God's grasp. There's no use even praying for him or her because even God couldn't reach them. Well, look at these scriptures. These men were sent to kill David. And God's Spirit came upon them without them having any inkling of what was going to happen to them. And God gets hold of them. But it gets even better. Verse 22. Finally Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived at the great well in Siku. Where are Samuel and David, he demanded. They are at Naoth in Ramah, someone told him. But on the way to Naoth in Ramah, the Spirit of God came even upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. 
he tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night prophesying in the presence of Samuel. The people were, who were watching exclaimed, What is even Saul a prophet? You can't see my face. But I just, I cannot, I just can't, I just can't. I cannot get over God. And I cannot get over the ways that the Lord's hand worked on behalf of David. How much has David done in this to watch out for himself? Well, first, he moved out of the way of the spear. So we, we don't know exactly how much that took or if it was God whispering in his ear or an angel pushed on him. We don't know. And then Michael tells him. He gives him the inside scoop. But right now, he's just hanging out with Samuel. He's just, he's just there. And God is doing everything that needs to be done to protect David. Let's look in the ESV just to see how it comes out. Uh, let's go back up to 20. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. It's the same thing. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again a third time, and they also prophesied. And let's jump down to 23. And he went there, talking about Saul, he went there to Naoth and Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also, and he went, as he went, he prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. He too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all day and all that night. Thus it is said, is Saul also among the prophets? I told you this was going to be one crazy sounding set of scriptures. It is. It is one wild story that I would love to see up on the big screen, minus the naked part of Saul. Thank you very much. I don't want to see that on the big screen. But it just, does it not cause you to just sit and shake your head? David, at this point in his life, is faithful to God. He's faithful to Saul. He was taking care of business. He was doing what was necessary. And God was working behind the scenes. In this particular set of scriptures. To take care of David physically. But. It doesn't have to just be physically. God can work behind the scenes to take care of any, any situation or circumstance that you feel is out of your control. Or for that matter, anything you think is in your control. Because it's all in his control. There is nothing off limits and there is no one off limits. You may not only say, well, God cannot reach so-and-so. You may, in your spirit, say, God could never use so-and-so. Well, look at half of the New Testament and what God did through a man named Saul, another man named Saul, 
who God got hold of, who we usually refer to as the Apostle Paul, and who wrote about half of the New Testament. There is nobody, nobody outside of God's grasp. And there is no circumstance that is outside God's control. So in your life, our weekly assignment feature is, how has this lesson helped you to find more assurance the Lord is working on your behalf? I don't know what situations keep you up at night. I don't know what the challenges are. But what I do know is God's in control. A few years ago, I was in between jobs, and that's especially especially grabbing at my heart at this, this very time in my life. I was between jobs, and I was intent, and I mean intent, of trusting the Lord, not only with where he was going to lead me, but how that process was going to go. And I did pretty well for the first couple of weeks. And then week three, when I could see the bank account getting really scary, um, I was struggling, beginning beginning to struggle especially. And then by the fourth week, oh my goodness, <laughs> I was really, uh, I was, I was, grasping at anything from God that would help me to hang on to leaving it in his hands because that had been my promise to him. But what was so very interesting was when everything worked out and I moved into that next season of life, God was so gracious and he gave me a glimpse at the behind the scenes that he had been working out for me. The people he had connected at a local restaurant, one of which did not know me from Adam, but was going to come to know me very well over the next few years. He had people speak good things about me. He was working in the lives of others in ways that as I sit here and my eyes fill with tears, it just, it just amazed me. And I only know a glimpse. But I thank him for giving me that little window into just some of what he did for me behind the scenes. And it is a great reminder to me at this season of my life how what God continues to do behind the scenes that I may never see. But I want to trust him. 
I want to trust him with the details. I want to trust him with my life. I want to do what he tells me. And I want to trust him when he says, wait. And one of these days, when we are all together in that place where there are no more tears, I hope God gives me the opportunity to see all the ways that he worked on my behalf. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'd be shocked at some of the people he might have used, some of the conversations that he might have started. And I pray that God will take this wild lesson, this wild set of scriptures where we see God working behind the scenes to protect David, to hold David near for the, the special assignment that God had for him. And I pray that God will remind you that he has a purpose and plan for your life. And there is nothing or no one that can stop God's plans. He can send angels. He can work through human beings. He can send his spirit. He can work through dreams and visions. Are you willing to trust him that in whatever circumstances are causing you the most angst at the moment, to trust him and say, God, I don't have to know what you're doing behind the scenes. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that the same God who worked on behalf of David is the same God who works on behalf of me. Just prompt me by your spirit to do what you need me to do. And may I be faithful. Dear Father, this lesson, <laughs> I never, when I began to look over these scriptures again, I never dreamed at what you were going to do in my life and how you were going to use them to reassure me that you are still a God in control and you are a God who's working behind the scenes and sometimes right in front of us to accomplish your purpose. I pray for each person within the sound of my voice. Dear God, each of them are struggling with something. Maybe it's a call on their life. Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it is a point of obedience that they've been wrestling with, that they refuse to obey because they can't see how you could accomplish good and get them through it. Dear God, whatever it is 
that is causing them to toss at night. I pray, dear Father, that they would surrender it to you and trust that you will work by all means necessary to accomplish your good and eternal plan in and through us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Down below in the show notes, you've got the scriptures. You've got um, a link to Sin Relief and Convoy of Hope, who are two of the organizations that are helping with the recovery after Hurricane Ida, as well as other disasters, not only within the United States, but across the world. Got links to other resources down below. If you'd like to reach out to me, the email address is encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. We've got our Facebook group. It's Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. The link is in the show notes. And just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm -hmm.